You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Abraham, 100 years old, sits down. She says, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. He says, are you sure? I'm sure. I'm pregnant. 90 years old, she began to grow. Hallelujah. This is an amazing miracle. And nine months later, the cry of Isaac split the night. And what they had known God was going to do was born. My point is, he knew God cared. He knew God heard. And he knew God answers. Amen? It's safe to say that we've all been let down at one time or another. Whether it's a broken promise or being deceived, it can sometimes be hard to know what you can trust. Today, Pastor Jeff illustrates that if you want a steady rock you can lean on, step into God's promises. While His ways may not always align with your expectations, He always delivers in the end. As you navigate life's twists and turns, remain committed to the promises that God has woven into your life. Experience victory through Jesus. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Matthew, chapter 8, as he continues his message, What You Think About God. Jesus was always seeking to unfold who it was that they were following. One day, Jesus says to them, guys, I want you to get into that boat. We're going to go to the other side of the lake. And so they say, okay, yes, sir. They get in the boat, they launch, they head out. And by the time they get to the middle of the lake, it says Jesus is asleep in the helm of the boat. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere came a storm. And that's the way storms generally come. They're sudden. The Bible says, suddenly, a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and they awoke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Another gospel says, don't you care that we are perishing? Now, let's be honest, because he was God, because Jesus was God, he knew that storm was coming. He knew when he told them to get into the boat that the storm was going to come. I believe Jesus knows the storms that strike our life before they ever arrive. He knows what's coming before they ever arrive. And he knew this storm was coming. He knew when they launched out, when they got into the middle of the lake, that a storm was going to strike. Because he knows the end before the beginning of something begins. He dwells in eternity. He doesn't dwell in time and space. He's not limited by time. He's back there in eternity past. He is right now in eternity present, and he also abides in eternity future. So before you get to your tomorrow, he's already there waiting for you to arrive. And he's already prepared a table before you. I really believe that. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. If you really pray and really seek him, he sets a beautiful table for your tomorrow. Amen? So Jesus was not in any way taken off guard by this storm. So the whole trip across the lake, I believe with all of my heart, was designed to be a spiritual classroom so that Jesus could teach them something about himself. Because the Bible says when they woke him up and they were all panicked and the boat's filling with water and it's 911 time, it says he arose and he talked to the wind. He rebuked the wind. Wind, stop. And it stopped. And the raging, rolling waves, he said, stop. And they stopped. And suddenly there was a placid sea. It says in the Bible, a great calm. And then he looked at them and he said, where's your faith? Where is your faith? 
Now, I want you to look at what Jesus was focused on. This is very important because we're no different from these disciples. What he was concerned about with them, he's concerned about with us. So he wanted to know, where's your faith? Notice, he wasn't concerned with the storm. He wasn't concerned with the boat that was filled with water. He wasn't concerned with getting to the other side of the lake after this storm. What was he concerned about? His focus was on their faith. Because Jesus, with this storm and with your storm that you're in right now, his intent is to stretch your faith. And how do you go about doing it? By revealing who he was. He enlarged their picture of who he was. What you believe about God is going to affect your prayer life. What they believed about him was going to affect their prayer life and everything they did in the future. So he is expanding their understanding of who he is. And it says they were afraid. Well, yeah, this guy just stood up and told a storm to stop it, and it stopped. And they asked a million-dollar question, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Up to now, he's been a cool guy to follow around. But now, he's talking to storms and telling them to stop. And they stop. Now, I want to submit to you that they asked the very question he intended them to ask, because there's only one answer to that question. He is God. He's God. So their understanding of who they were following went woof, expanded. We're not just following a neat teacher who tiptoes through the religious tulips, saying nice things to people, healing a few people, and being an all-around good guy. We're not just following an inspirational personality. We're following this. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. He's God. The song says, if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in his word could do. See, that's why God allows trials into our life. Because in that trial, he wants to teach you something about himself and enlarge your understanding of who he is. Amen. So how big is your God? When you go into the place of prayer, what is your God like? How do you view him? What is your image of him? What, how do you picture him when you go to the place of prayer? Because all of us, when we get down to the place of prayer, whether we're pacing or kneeling or whatever, we go to the place of prayer. We've got an image in our mind. We've got a picture, a concept of who God is and what he can do and what he will do. So I'm asking, what is the image of him you have in your mind when you go into the place of prayer? What are your beliefs about him? What are your convictions about him? Because whatever you believe about him, is going to decide how you pray and what you pray for and what you believe him for. So I want to give you three things that'll help us in our prayer. Now, these are the little foxes. If the fox is not there, if the little fox that I'm going to name, if it's not in there affecting your prayer life, then good. But if he is there, I'm going to chase him away with this word now. First, we must believe. This is very simple, but oh, it's the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. Here it is. We got to believe that he cares. He cares. I want you to say with me, God cares. Do you believe God genuinely cares about you and the things that affect you? Do you believe that God genuinely cares? Let me blow your mind with something. If I care about somebody, I'm thinking about them. Do you agree with that? If I care about somebody, I'm thinking about them. They're on my mind. All right. Listen to what David said in Psalms 40 verse 5. He says to God, the number of your thoughts towards me, I can't even count. You, you are thinking so much about me, God, I can't even count the number of the thoughts. Your thoughts about me are voluminous. They are 
multiple. They are many. I am on your mind. Remember, what's that old song? You were on his mind? Now listen, not just you were, but you are. When you got up today, you were on God's mind. Do you believe that? You were on God's mind. You say, little old me, little old you. You were on God's mind. While you slept last night, you were on his mind. While you slept, he dispatched angels to keep you up, guard you up, hold you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This week, you are on his mind. Right now in church, you are on his mind. He's thinking about you. David said later in that very psalm, I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. What a thought. The Lord thinks upon me. He thinks about you. He knows your name, what you're going through, what you're experiencing, the attacks you're under, the challenges you have, the way people have hurt you, the way you're struggling just to get by. He knows about you. You are on his mind. He's not out flinging other stars into space or just focusing on the superstar, the spiritual superstars. No, no, no. You are on his mind. John, Jay, Jeff, Jill, Jane. I've got J's on my mind. You are on his mind. I want you to say with me, I'm on his mind. He cares. You know that Jesus was all the time teaching those that were following him about how much God truly cares. One of, his, one of the main thrusts of his teaching was to convince people, to show people how much they were on God's mind, how much he really cared. It says, then turning to his disciples, he said, don't worry about whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. For life consists of far more than food and clothes. Now he's going to turn to nature, and he's going to say twice, look. And he's going to point twice to something in nature. The first one, ravens. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or have barns to store away their food. And yet they get along all right, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Let me put it to you this way. If God feeds birds he didn't die for, then he'll feed his children he did die for. Amen? So Jesus says, how much does God care? He's going to take care of you. He knows what you need before you even ask him. He's watching you. He cares about you. He said a second time, all right, now look at the lilies in that field. I love the way Jesus taught. They're just walking down some road. He said, look at those birds. Let me tell you a little lesson looking at those birds. Now look out at the field at those beautiful flowers. See how beautiful they are? Isn't it beautiful in springtime? We're about to see it. Those beautiful blue bonnets on the sides of the road. And Jesus said, look at those blue bonnets. Let me just put it that way. Look at those blue bonnets. They don't toil and the spin. They don't weave clothes. And yet Solomon in all his glory was not robed as they are. And if God provides clothing for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, don't you suppose he will provide clothing for you, you doubters? You have little faith. So he says, look at how God clothes those flowers. He didn't die for them, but he died for you. Jesus would die for them. And so he says, if God will do that for what is here today, gone tomorrow, then he really cares about you and he'll take care of you. It goes on, one more, out of the Living Bible. I love the way it put it. Jesus said, all mankind scratches for its daily bread, but your heavenly Father knows your needs. 
He'll always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's great happiness to give you the kingdom. Amen? So say with me, God cares. Come on, everybody, God cares. Do you really believe that? All right, so when you go to the place of prayer, a good way to start is tell yourself, all right, I'm praying to a God who cares. I'm on his mind right now. Amen. Well, the second thing you must have in your head as a belief is that he hears. If he cares, then he hears. I was talking to a young lady this week who had been, she's single and she had been dating this guy. And she told me, she said, I think I'm going to break it off. And I said, how come? And she said, because he doesn't listen to me. He doesn't listen to me. And I, I almost wanted to say, well, that's it. But then I, it occurred to me, no, that would be a dumb thing to say. Because if he doesn't listen now, he's sure not going to listen after I do. All right? So she said, he doesn't listen to me. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'll be telling him something real important about me that matters to me. And I can tell he's not listening. So I think I'm about to walk. And I said, you walk, girl. Because you want somebody who cares enough to listen. Now listen. <laughs> we need to understand not only does God care, but because he cares, he hears. Do you know that John in 1 John 5, 14, he tells us that a key component to successful prayer is believing and knowing God hears us, that he listens. He says this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask Anything according to his will. What's the next three words? Read it out loud. He hears us. All right? And if we know that he what? Hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we have asked of him. Now notice, you got a cause and effect here. If I know that he hears me, then I also walk away from that prayer time knowing I have it. I know that I have it. If I know that he heard me, I know that I have it. So how important is it that we know that God listens, we know that he hears, we know that his ear is turned our way? How important is it? Well, being confident in prayer. It means everything in prayer. I got to know that God is listening. God is listening. See, this is one of the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. A little thought. You go into the place of prayer and you start to pray. And a little thought drops into the back of your head. You may not even be thinking about it big time on the front burner of your mind, but it's back there. And it says this, God's not listening. It says things like this, you prayed before and nothing happened. So what makes you think it's going to happen now? If God is really listening to you, why didn't he answer that prayer you prayed before? And you know, a lot of times when we pray, we don't initially have some strong sense of the presence of God. We feel alone. Sometimes we feel like the heavens are just brass. We feel like God's not there. We, we feel like we're struggling. Our mind is wandering. And the thought hits us, he's not listening. Now, that's the devil. How many of you know if the devil is talking, he's lying? The devil is a liar. And if you think he's not messing with you and he doesn't want to mess with your prayer, then let me tell you, that's the one thing he wants to mess with. That's the one thing he wants to attack and undermine and destroy is your prayer life. So he'll drop little thoughts in the back of your head. God doesn't care or he's not listening. The bottom line lie 
of the devil is that God doesn't care about the things you care about. And if he doesn't care, he's not listening. And if the devil can convince you that God's not listening, he can kill your prayer life. Why would I even bother to pray to a God that's not listening to me? Why would I even bother to pray? So we've got to have it in our heads. This needs to be a a deep down in our heart conviction that not only does he really intimately, powerfully, mightily care about me and he's thinking about me, but when I pray, he's listening. He's listening. He's listening. The Bible says no matter how you feel, God is listening. Listen to what Peter wrote. The Lord is watching his children. Everybody say, he's watching me. He's watching his children. But then it goes on to say, listening to their prayers. He's not only watching, he's listening. Listen to David the psalmist. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. So here's what happens when you get on your knees. Doesn't matter who you are. If you're a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of God, born again, and you love Jesus, when you get on your knees or you pace or however you pray and you begin to pray in heaven, here's what happens. God turns his ear. He's listening. When you say Jesus, it says his ears are open to their cries for help. I read this morning out of the Psalms, Psalms 40, one of my favorite. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and listen, heard my cry. And then it says, when he heard my cry, he brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock, and he established my goings. That means he made my life stable, and he put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God, many will see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. But it all began with, he heard my cry. So everybody say, God listens. You want to know how precious your prayers are to God? John had a revelation of heaven. God showed him heaven. And he saw four living beings and the 24 elders fall down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. In heaven, angels are holding golden bowls. And in those bowls are the prayers, your prayers, my prayers, the prayers of God's children. And they are like sweet-smelling incense to God. That's how precious your prayers are to God. So I want you to say with me, he cares and he listens. Can we give God praise for that today? Amen? Amen. So I got to believe he cares and I got to believe he listens. But if he cares and if he listens, then I got to believe he answers. He answers. Now, if we're going to have a fruitful, growing prayer life, we've got to believe that not only does he care and listen, but he also answers my prayer. Listen to what John said. If you know that he hears you, then you know that you have what you asked of him. If you, There's the importance of believing that he's listening. If you know when you get up and you walk out of your prayer closet and your prayer time is done, you need to walk out with this. I know he heard me because I know I prayed according to the will of God because the Bible shows me what the will of God is. I know it's the will of God to save people. 
I know it's the will of God to take care of my needs. I know it's the will of God that I be sanctified. I know it's the will of God that I have victory over the devil. I know it's the will of God that he guides me and leads me in all the ways that I go. I know that it's the will of God that I grow in my knowledge of him. I know it's the will of God that I have a great church and good fellowship and good friends that take me up and don't take me down. I know all these things are the will of God. So if I prayed according to the will of God, I know he heard me. And if I know that he heard me, then I know I've got it. It's on the way. It's a deep, settled confidence that God cannot lie. He's heard my prayer. But how and when he works it out, that's totally his business. Because he's going to do it. However he decides to send it, that's his business. But I know when I prayed, I got it. Abraham is a perfect illustration, and I want to close with this. God tells Abraham when he's 75 and Sarah is 65, they're going to have a child. And I think they both looked up in heaven and said, say what? Have you looked at us lately? I'm 75. She's 65. We're past childbearing years, Lord. God said, you're going to have a child. Now, Abraham, it says, believed it, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And he began to pray and expect, pray and expect, pray and expect. He never fainted in his belief, his knowing that God had heard him and God was gonna do it. So listen to what the record is about Abraham. During this time of waiting, even when there was no reason for hope, nothing circumstantially to encourage him. They're just getting older. Abraham kept hoping. And Abraham's faith did not weaken. Even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. Now notice, he wasn't denying reality. He looked in the mirror and said, yep, I'm as good as dead as far as reproduction. I'm as good as dead. My child, us us having a child is crazy in the natural. All right? So he didn't deny reality. If you deny reality, somebody says, are you sick? And and you've got 100 degrees and you're coughing and choking. You don't say, no, I'm not sick. That's lying. Tell the truth so God can heal you. That's lying. That's Christian science. That's what it is. You don't deny reality, you admit reality and ask God to change the reality, all right? So he figured his body was as good as dead as so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, as the days wore on, his faith grew stronger. Now listen to what's next. He was fully convinced. There it is. John said, if you know he heard you. Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised, that his prayers were going to be answered. He had that knowing John talked about, if I know he heard me and it's according to his will, I know I have it, even though it has not invaded time and space yet. It's still as good as there. Amen. So we know what happened. When they're 100, when he's 100 and she's 90, One day she says, yoo-hoo, honey, come into the tent. I need to tell you something. Sit down, dear. Abraham, 100 years old, sits down. She says, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. He says, are you sure? I'm sure. I'm pregnant. 90 years old, she began to grow. Hallelujah. This is an amazing miracle. And nine months later, the cry of Isaac split the night. And what they had known God was going to do was born. My point is, he knew God cared, he knew God heard, and he knew God answers. Amen? Let's say together, I know he cares. 
I know he hears and I know he answers. Let's give him a hand of praise, can we? As you yield to God's guidance, you step onto a path of purpose and growth. Trust His perfect design, allowing His touch to manifest profound change. In embracing God's plan, you can be continually renewed, evolving into the best version of yourself by way of His grace. Today, Pastor Jeff underscored that God's care is in every aspect of your life. By aligning with God's divine plan, you open yourself to transformation. God desires to impact all areas of your life. I'll hand it over to Diane, who will let you know more now about Hardwired. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. The communal bonds formed in corporate prayer create a channel for extraordinary change. As you gather with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, His presence is magnified and His work is ushered forth. In Pastor Jeff's next message, he highlights the vital role of corporate prayer in being a powerful vessel of change for God's kingdom. Corporate prayer is a unifying force that transcends individual petitions, creating a collective voice that echoes in the heavens. Thanks for taking time to be with us today as we study God's Word. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Jeff, visit hardwired.org. On behalf of Pastor Jeff and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again right here on Hardwired.